أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم Lesson number 75 Surah Al-Ma'idah Ayah number 83 to 93 And when they hear what has been revealed to the messenger The immediate reference is to the Christians because they were being mentioned at the end of the previous ayah Praised for their humility for their not being arrogant Allah says when these people, those who are truly humble, and truly humble not just to people but to Allah, what's the proof of that, that they're truly humble to Allah? That when they hear what has been revealed to the Messenger, meaning when they hear the Qur'an, then what happens? تَرَى أَعْيُنَهُمْ You will see their eyes تَفِيضُ مِنَ الدَّمْعِ Overflowing with tears. It's as though their tears cannot stay back. They are filled with emotion and immediately they start crying. They cannot keep their tears controlled. Their eyes are overflowing with tears. Tafidu min ad-dam'i. Tafidu is from fa-ya-bad. Fa-ya-fidu is when something fills up and begins to overflow. So for example, there may be a pool, it's filled with water and then it begins to overflow. We have learned about this word earlier, ثُمَّ أَفِيضُوا مِنْ حَيْثُ أَفَابُ النَّاسِ Then proceed from where the people have proceeded, meaning at Hajj. That as the people are proceeding, and the word أَفِيضُوا has been used, because as the people are moving at Hajj, it's literally as though, you know, water is coming. Because it's unstoppable, and it's continuous. So, you see the eyes of these people are just overflowing with tears. Why are they crying? Why are they so emotional? Because mimma arafu min al-haq, because of what they have recognized of the truth, they hear the Quran, they realize its truthfulness, and they cannot help but cry. And yaquluna they say, Rabbana amanna. O our Lord, we have believed. We heard the Quran, we recognize the truth, and we believe. Faktubna ma'ashahidin. So write us, register us. Among the witnesses. Faktubna from Kitaba, which is to write. So write our name in the list of who? Shahideen. Shahideen is the plural of Shahid. Sheen ha dal. And what does Shahada mean? To bear witness, to testify. I'm really sorry, but if you do not want to pay attention in class, you're more than welcome to leave. Because I don't want somebody to be sitting right in front of me, and I mean everybody who's in this class, and be distracting. Don't disturb the rest of the class. And if you're here, then be attentive. And that means that your hands should have your pen. And you should be looking at the text of the Qur'an. And you should be writing. So, وَإِذَا سَمِعُوا مَا أُنزِلَ إِلَى الرَّسُولِ تَرَى أَعْيُنَهُمْ تَفِيضُ مِنَ الدَّمْعِ مِمَّا عَرَفُوا مِنَ الْحَقِّ يَقُولُونَ رَبَّنَا آمَنَّا فَاكْتُبْنَا مَعَ الشَّاهِدِينَ Write our name, register us among who? Those who bear witness. Now who are these people who bear witness, who testify? Testify to what? Testify to the truthfulness of whatever Allah has revealed. Because when a person says, the Qur'an is true, what is he testifying? That this is from Allah, that Allah has spoken the truth, that the Messenger ﷺ is true. So shahideen primarily refers to which group of people? The companions, the sahaba. 
Because they, when they saw the truth, they accepted it. When they accepted it, that itself is a testimony of the truthfulness of the Qur'an, of the Messenger, of Islam. So they say, فَاكْتُبْنَا مَعَ الشَّاهِدِينَ We want to be one of them. We want to be a part of this amazing group of people. We want to be like them. Even if there are centuries between us, hundreds and hundreds of years between us, big difference of time, big difference of culture, big difference of age, gender, still, we want to be of that group. فَكْتُبْنَا مَعَ الشَّاهِدِينَ Now, the immediate reference, as I mentioned to you earlier, is to the Christians. Sa'id bin Jubayr, he said, that these verses were revealed about a delegation of Christians who had come from Abyssinia, so a delegation of Abyssinia, who had been sent by the Negus, the Abyssinian king. And they had come to visit the Prophet ﷺ. When they came to Medina, they met him. The Prophet ﷺ recited the Qur'an to them. And as he recited, those people were weeping. They were crying profusely. It was as if they were awestruck. And they couldn't help but cry. Why? Because they recognized the truth. So they accepted Islam and they returned to Najashi. They went back to their home country and informed their king about Muhammad wasallam. Now the fact is that the Qur'an, it affects the heart of the listener. Which is why when you listen to the Qur'an, you don't just hear it in your ears, you feel it in your heart. You know, sometimes you feel your heartbeat going faster. You feel your pulse, you know, there is a change in it. Why? Because the Qur'an is not for the ear and for the eyes and for the mind only. It's for the heart. Because that is the center of change. That is where the change comes from. When the heart comes alive, that is when a person comes alive. When the heart becomes dead, that's when the person also dies. And we might feel that when the Qur'an is being recited to someone, when someone is being told, they're not interested at all. But from the people of Allah, there are many who are affected by the Qur'an, sooner or later. Because the Qur'an, it affects the heart. So these people, they heard the Qur'an for the very, very first time. And what is it that caused them to be affected so much? It was because they were listening attentively. And if we don't even listen attentively, then how can we be affected? Because we complain a lot that, oh, it doesn't move me. Oh, my heart is still not changed. I still don't get it. I'm still not interested. I still don't have any fear or love of Allah. Why? We discussed earlier that the problem is not with the Qur'an. The problem is with who? The person. Am I really seeking? Am I really interested? Am I attentive? Because it's not possible that a person is seeking and Allah does not give him. It's not possible that a person wants to improve, wants to change, wants to become better, and Allah doesn't show him the way. Allah will show him, provided that we are sincere. So imagine these people, they came all the way from Abyssinia to see the Prophet ﷺ. They heard the Qur'an once and they were moved to tears. They accepted immediately. They changed immediately. They didn't wait. And why is it that they wept? Because they recognized the truth. They were so moved. They recognized the truth and the tears just kept falling and rolling down uncontrollably. When is it that you cry generally? 
when you're really sad, when you feel, oh, I'm so lonely, my mom's not here, my dad's not here, my sister's somewhere else. Or when we have a reason to be sad, like, I failed my test, I still don't have a job, I still have so much debt to pay off, or I'm still not married. These things make us cry. Or I'm too short, I'm too tall. I only bought three pairs of clothes this year, I'm so poor. I'm so tired, so overworked, so underappreciated. These things make us cry. Sadness. What else makes a person cry? Joy. Sometimes people also cry because of extreme joy. When? Imagine when there's something you desperately wanted. And then you find it. You get it. When you find it, you will cry. If there is a person who has a huge debt to pay off, and then somebody gives them a monetary gift, you think they will just say thank you with a smile on their face? No, they will cry. They won't be able to hold their tears back because they are so happy. So just like that, when these people, they saw the messenger whom they were awaiting, they found the guidance which they were seeking, they found the answers which they were searching for, they saw the truth that they desperately desired, what happened? They wept. They wept uncontrollably. They found it, they attained it, so they cried. And here we need to reflect as well. That these people, when they recognized the truth, first of all, they didn't delay in accepting it. Immediately they said, Rabbana, Amanna, O our Lord, we have believed. Faktubna, Marashahideen. And the fact is that such people exist today as well. That the Quran is recited to them, they're told of what is in the Quran, and immediately they say, Yes, this is the truth. This is something that I wanted all my life. Thank you for telling me. Thank you for showing me. And they accept immediately. There are many people who find out just a little bit about Islam and immediately they accept. They haven't even read the Qur'an cover to cover. They probably don't even know the names of the companions, except for just two or three of them by that point. They probably don't know what the word fiqh means. They probably don't even know there is a word such as sharia. They probably don't even know there is a word such as rukur. But they have just come across the basic message of Islam, they recognize the truth and they accept immediately. They do not delay. So we need to question ourselves here. What am I waiting for? That when I hear something in the Qur'an, then why don't I do it? What am I waiting for? Do I do it or do I delay? Or do I say, not for me? And also, that there are people who are willing to listen to the Qur'an, but are we willing to recite to them? Are we willing to tell them? Are we willing to share the message with them? Think about it. Haven't you heard of so many amazing convert stories which we're so impressed by and we watch their videos on YouTube and we're like, yeah, wow, how nice. See, Islam is the best. Islam is the truth. But then we don't do the same thing in our lives. There are people around us and they don't even know that we study the Qur'an. They have no idea. People who are not Muslim, or people who may even be Muslim, but we don't share this message with them. We don't tell them what we have, what we're learning. So be willing to recite the Qur'an to others. And if there is nothing else that we can do, just give them a CD of the recitation of the Qur'an. Because with some people, it's difficult to speak to them. 
just give them a CD of the recitation of the Qur'an. Because when they will hear it, they will wonder what it is. They will wonder what it means. And inshallah, if they're seeking the truth, they will find out what it is. And inshallah, Allah will guide them. Also we see over here, that it is good to cry when listening to the Qur'an. Why? Because it softens the heart. It melts the heart. It is what moves the heart and causes the heart to change. But don't force yourself in the sense that don't fake cry. It should be real, true, honest, genuine crying, which is out of the softness of the heart, which is out of the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is out of you know really paying attention to the words of Allah and feeling them, then it is that a person will cry. They say, وَمَا And what is with us? Meaning, why shouldn't we? لَا نُؤْمِنُ بِاللَّهِ That we don't believe in Allah. Why should we not believe in Allah? وَمَا جَاءَنَا مِنَ الْحَقِّ And what has come to us of the truth? Why shouldn't we believe in Allah and the truth that has come to us? وَنَطْمَعُ While we hope, while we wish, أَن يَدُخِلَنَا رَبَّنَا That our Lord will enter us مَعَ الْقَوْمِ الصَّالِحِينَ With the righteous people. Meaning our hope in life, our wish in life is that Allah joins us with the group of the righteous people, with the prophets. Meaning He joins us with who? With the righteous in paradise. That's where we want to go. So why should we not believe in the truth once we have discovered it? So if a person wants to go to Jannah, if a person wants to be with the righteous, then he has to accept the truth and follow it. And if he doesn't accept it, that means he doesn't want to be in paradise. He doesn't want to be with the righteous. فَأَثَابَهُمُ اللَّهُ بِمَا قَالُوا So Allah rewarded them because of what they said. Because of their statement. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rewarded them. Generally, what do we learn? That words alone are not enough. Action is necessary. But what do we see here? That Allah is rewarding them just for their words. Why? Because these words were very honest. Words, what a person says, what do they reflect? Your heart. Whatever is in your heart, your words show. You speak it out. And your words, basically, they reflect your inner feelings. So what they said is something that they truly felt. When their hearts were full of gratitude and submissiveness, that's what was expressed verbally. And when it was expressed verbally, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted that. Even though they had not prayed one salah yet, they had not learned the laws of the deen yet, but still, their extreme gratitude and submissiveness brought them such great reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَأَثَابَهُمُ اللَّهُ بِمَا قَالُوا their words were so genuine. What did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward them with? Jannatin, gardens, tajri min al anhar, underneath which rivers flow, khalidina fiha, abiding therein eternally, wadalika jazaul muhsinin. And that is the reward of who? Those who do ihsan. This is the reward of those who do ihsan. So this means what these people said, what they did was ihsan. How is it ihsan? What is ihsan? Ihsan in the hadith we learn that Antarbudallaha when Jibreel asked the Prophet Mal Ihsan, the Prophet replied, Antarbudallaha ka'annaka tarahu that you worship Allah as though you see him. 
What does it mean by this? That you worship Allah as though you see Him. That when someone is present before you and you see them, then do your actions change? When you're driving as though you're seeing a police officer, how will you drive? Perfectly, as if you are trying to pass your driver's test. And if you drive with the feeling that, oh, there's no police officer around, then how will you drive? Very differently. So this realization that I see someone or somebody is watching me, this completely changes your actions. You become more conscious and alert. You become more careful. You pay attention to every detail. Every single detail. Generally, you don't care whether you're driving at 60 or 80. But as soon as you realize, oh, there's a police officer here, then you become so careful. The needle has to be exactly on 60. Better even if it's lower. You bring perfection to your actions. And when this realization is not there, then there is no perfection. So this is what Ihsan is. Now, what they said with regards to the verses of Allah, how they reacted, that they started crying, and they immediately accepted. It was as though they were seeing Allah. Not that they were literally, because nobody can see Allah in this world, you can only see Allah inshallah in Jannah, in the hereafter. But the way they obeyed, the way they submitted, the way they wept, it was as though they could see Allah. So this is the reward of who? Muhsineen. Those who listen attentively, who cry humbly, who accept submissively. وَذَلِكَ جَزَاءُ الْمُحْسِنِينَ On the other hand, وَالَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا Those who disbelieve, وَكَذَّبُوا بِآيَاتِنَا And deny our verses, أُولَٰئِكَ أَصْحَابُ الْجَحِيمِ Those are the companions of the blaze. What is burnt in the fire? Garbage. Something that's useless. Cannot even be recycled. It's just waste. So when a person disbelieves and rejects the truth, despite recognizing it, seeing it, that means nothing but the waste of this world. And he only deserves to be in the greatest fire ever. Recitation. لَتَجِدَنَّ أَشَدَّ النَّاسِ عَدَاوَةً لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا الْيَهُودَ وَالَّذِينَ أَشْرَكُوا وَلَتَجِدَنَّ أَقْرَبَهُمْ مَوَدَّةً لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا الَّذِينَ قَالُوا إِنَّا نَصَارَى ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّ مِنْهُمْ قِسِّيسِينَ وَرُهْبَانًا وَأَنَّهُمْ لَا يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ وَإِذَا سَمِعُوا مَا أُنزِلَ إِلَى الرَّسُولِ تَرَى أَعْيُنَهُمْ تَفِيضُ مِنَ الدَّمْعِ مِمَّا عَرَفُوا مِنَ الْحَقِّ يَقُولُونَ رَبَّنَا آمَنَّا فَاكْتُبْنَا مَعَ الشَّاهِدِينَ وَمَا لَنَا لَا نُؤْمِنُ بِاللَّهِ وَمَا جَاءَنَا مِنَ الْحَقِّ وَنَطْمَعُ أَن يُدْخِلَنَا رَبُّنَا وَنَطْمَعُ أَن يُدْخِلَنَا رَبُّنَا مَعَ الْقَوْمِ الصَّالِحِينَ 
Do not prohibit the good things which Allah has made lawful to you. لا تحرموا from haram. Meaning do not make haram. What should you not make haram? Tayyibat, the good things. Plural of tayyibah. Which good things? All good things? No. Those good things which ما أحل الله لكم which Allah has made permissible for you. Because there may be certain good things but they're not halal for you. Such as somebody else's tofu salad. It's not yours. Somebody else's. Until they give it to you or sell it to you, you can't have it. You can't say, oh, this is something so good that Allah has made, so I'm just going to have it. No, you can't do that. Water. A water bottle. Belongs to somebody else. You go to Subway, there's a refrigerator on the side, nobody's looking. It's like, yeah, I can take it. Tayyib. Tayyib, tayyib, man. You can have it. And just sneak out. This is not halal. It may be tayyib, but it's not halal. So those things which are tayyib and Allah has made permissible for you, Allah says, don't make them haram on yourself. Meaning, have them, enjoy them, use them, eat them, wear them. Allah has created these things for you, for your benefit, for your enjoyment. And then not just that, He made them permissible for you in the law, so use it. Don't make it haram on yourself. And at the same time, وَلَا تَعْتَدُوا And do not transgress. Meaning do not transgress the limits of enjoyment. That all day you're only concerned about preparing the best food. All week you're only concerned about wearing the best clothes. No. لَا تَعْتَدُوا You should be moderate. إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُحِبُّ الْمُعْتَدِينَ Indeed Allah does not like those people who transgress. So we see that two prohibitions are given over here. لَا تُحَرِّمُوا And لَا تَعْتَدُوا Don't make haram and don't transgress. Making something haram would mean depriving yourself of it completely. Transgressing would mean that you use it, eat it so much so that you forget everything else. It becomes a focus of your life. You'd go to the extent of israf. So Allah says, no, stay in between. Because the majority of the people, they go to these two extremes. The moment a person becomes a little careful about their deen, then they are just concerned about what is halal and what is haram. And every kind of food they make, haram on themselves. I'm not saying that don't check the ingredients. Always check the ingredients. But don't say, oh, haram, 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 haram. I remember when I came here, I was told, everything is haram except for just this, this, and this. I was like, what? Before I knew everything was halal except for this, this, and this. And now, all of a sudden, everything is haram except for this, this, and this. Do you believe the same thing? Have you been brought up the same way over here? I pity you if you've been raised like that. Because some people are literally raised like that. Everything is haram except for this, this, and this. And in the deen we learn it's the exact opposite. But anyway, 
you should be aware of what is permissible and what is not permissible what ingredients are halal and what are not halal you should be aware but what is permissible don't make that unlawful upon yourself what is allowed don't deprive yourself from it like for example you could go to a restaurant where okay there may even be haram food over there but there's also halal food over there And if they are saying that we will change our gloves, we will use a new knife, we will make sure that when we place your food in the oven or whatever, there is a clean liner under it. And that's something that they practice for everything anyway. Then why should you deprive yourself of that food? You're hungry and you're just buying a pack of chips and that's what you're going to eat? There is halal food. Why should you deprive yourself of it? I'm not saying go and eat haram, not at all. Haram is haram. We're not allowed to make that halal for ourselves. But what is halal, don't make it haram either. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, قُلْ مَنْ حَرَّمَ زِينَةَ اللَّهِ الَّتِي أَخْرَجَ لِعِبَادِهِ وَالطَّيِّبَاتِ مِنَ الرِّزْقِ Say, who has forbidden the adornment, the beauty of Allah, which He has produced for His servants and the good lawful things of provision. These things Allah has created for you. He has produced for you. So don't deprive yourself from it. Likewise, there may be some things which are not allowed all the time, which may not be suitable all the time, but sometimes they are suitable. For example, this question I get so often, is nail polish halal or haram? You tell me. It's halal. Why? There's nothing haram about it. Well, you can say that in certain situations it's not appropriate, so you should avoid it. And at certain times you should not be wearing it. Like when you're doing wudu, when you're taking ghusl, you should not be wearing your nail polish because otherwise your nails will not get wet and your wudu will be incomplete. Likewise, if you're going to school before men and you're wearing bright red nail polish, please, come on, be careful over there. So it's not a matter of halal, haram. It's a matter of using your aql a little bit. That is it appropriate or not? But we say, haram, don't wear it. We want the religion to be black and white. And not just religion, our lives, to be black and white. So it's not like that. You have to use your mind as well. So, لا تحرموا طيبات ما أحل الله لكم Don't make it haram on yourself. Likewise, there may be certain foods which are tayyib and you don't like it. But it doesn't mean you make it haram on yourself. Because some women from some cultures, they say, oh, I don't eat fish. I just don't eat it. I just don't eat it. I don't eat fish. Why? I never eat it. Why? I just don't like it. I just don't like the smell of it. And somebody's telling you, no, there's no smell. It's fresh. It's made really well. Just try it. No, I don't. No, I don't. No, I don't. Refuse, refuse, refuse. Good things are being prepared and brought to you. And you don't even take a little bit of it. Ever, ever. You know, one is that it's not good. Like once the Prophet ﷺ, he refused to eat the meat of a kind of a desert lizard. And the people asked if it was halal or haram. He said, no, it's okay, it's halal. But he didn't like to eat it. Why? Because it's kind of a lizard. And you might say, obviously it's halal, but it's not necessarily tayyib. Okay, I mean, the skin is hard and it's weird and just this feeling of, you know, that it's a lizard. You don't want to have it. So it may not be tayyib, but it's halal. But something is halal and tayyib. And still you deprive yourself of it. 
we take the foods that are culturally familiar to us. For example, I'm from Pakistan, so what my family, what we do is we eat the desi food, like the roti and the salans and everything. But when it comes to um, foods that are from other cultures, we kind of stay away from it. Mm-hmm. So when this becomes a habit, then there's this mindset that, no, these foods, they're not good for us. So even if it's fruits, we stay away from them, yeah. even though they're halal and they're yeah. tayyip. Yeah. Just because we are unfamiliar or just because we haven't ever had it, we think that it's not good. And we just stay away from it. I mean, yes, you are a person who has certain likes, certain dislikes. And yes, we respect that. But you should also respect what Allah has made lawful and what He has made unlawful. Likewise, there may be certain foods. There is a reason for you to avoid, whether it's because of health reasons or whatever, there's a reason for it. So there's no harm. But to literally treat it like haram food, that a person doesn't even touch it and makes a face when looking at it, like, ew, what is this? Passing weird comments about it, this is something that's inappropriate. Like for example, a person says, I'm vegetarian, so I don't eat meat at all. Being a vegetarian, like for example, if it's because of a health reason, a person has serious heart problems, right? They have serious weight issues cholesterol issues. And because of that, they say, okay, fine, I'm just going to avoid meat completely because I can't help myself when I start eating meat, so I'm just going to avoid it completely. So in that situation, what should be done? Okay, a person avoids it, but he shouldn't deprive himself completely and shouldn't start to think that this is haram food. Because some people, what they do is that if they have certain restrictions, they impose those restrictions on the rest of the family as well. This should not be done. Or they start thinking that this food is not good. Like for example, one person in your family may be seriously allergic to nuts, but that doesn't mean that you think nuts are bad. They're haram. No, they're not haram. They're completely halal. The question is that if there is haram food being served at a restaurant where you go, like for example, there's alcohol being served, then in that case, do you eat there or not? I mean, we learn very clearly that the the table where alcohol is being served, where alcohol is being consumed by people, you should not be there. So I know some people, they are okay with it. They say that, well, there are people drinking on other tables, not on mine, so it's okay. But how can you be in that same atmosphere? How can you even see? Because this is something that's really munkar. That's wrong. Haram. So avoid it to the best of your ability. What you can do is take the food and go out. Or avoid those places completely. I mean, there's so many, so many halal options. One is that you can't avoid it at all. Like you're in a plane and people are drinking alcohol at the same time. You don't have an option there. But you have an option between going to one restaurant and the other. So avoid it. So, لا تحرموا طيبات ما أحل الله لكم ولا تعتدوا and do not transgress the limits. Meaning, when Allah has said something is Haram, don't make that halal. Because some people say, well, you shouldn't make things haram, so everything's halal. No, everything is not halal. What is haram? You cannot make that into halal either. And when you're using the halal in tayyib, don't do israf. Allah says, kulu washrabu, wala tusrifu, eat and drink and do not be extravagant. Do not be extravagant and wasteful. Because tayyibat, it doesn't just refer to food, also clothing. So for example, clothing. Yes, good clothing you should wear, fine clothing you should wear. But don't do israf that your each outfit comes out to like $200, $300. I mean, that becomes israf. 
your average outfit that you wear to somebody's house, it's up to a hundred dollars. I remember when I went to Pakistan, one of the things that I really wanted to do was get some clothes for some family members and friends over here and also for myself. But every time I would go to buy clothes and I would see beggars, children who aren't even wearing sweaters in that extreme cold, I could not buy anything. I just couldn't. Because you're outside the store and there are people begging for five rupees so that they can buy some food. And you go inside and one outfit could be close to a hundred dollars. Two hundred dollars. hundred dollars is nothing in fact. Two hundred dollars. How can you do that? This is israf. But unfortunately the way we buy, the way we use, and the way we keep buying more and more, and if somebody is repeated, at an occasion, like they're wearing the same clothes they wore at another occasion, then we think, oh, look at them. We have in our culture, you cannot repeat the same By the way, this is not just in your culture. (laughs) (laughs) So almost everywhere, right? Subhanallah. And then uh, it was a wedding in the one month, twice, and then, each dress was supposed to take almost 200, 150, and I said it's so expensive. My daughter, she told me, Mommy, don't get another one, because you give in da'wah, so we wear the same one, so they can learn from you. <laughs> so alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, I wear the same, they might talk, but... Alhamdulillah. So, wala ta'atadu, do not even transgress. Inna Allah la yuhibbul mu'tadeen. Why? Even if you have lots of money, still not transgress, still not do israf, Why? Because Allah doesn't like such people who do israf. Who are just concerned about how they look and what people think of them. And they have no concern about people who are suffering from extreme poverty. Then Allah says, وَكُلُوا مِمَّا رَزَقَكُمُ اللَّهُ And eat of that which Allah has provided to you. As long as it fulfills two conditions. What? Halalan, it is halal. And tayyiban, it is also good. Halal how? In two ways. That the food in itself is halal. It's not haram. Like for example, pork is haram. So the food itself has to be halal. And secondly, it has to be earned properly as well. So eat of that which is halal, and it is also tayyib. What is tayyib? It's actually good for you. It's beneficial. It's not harmful. You're not just eating for mere pleasure, but you're eating so that that food actually benefits you. Just the other day, somebody was asking me that this muffin that I'm eating, it's too hard. And I'm afraid that if I eat it, I'm going to get a stomachache. And we're like, okay, get rid of it. They're like, no, but I don't think I got my money out of it. You know, I bought it and I want to make sure I've used every single cent I spent on it. So I'm like, okay, tell me, is it worth the stomachache? I mean, would you give 25 cents for a stomachache? Is a stomachache worth 25 cents? It's not. So it's not tayyib. So don't eat it. Our problem is generally that we, first of all, pour too much food. Right? Like when we go to a wedding or something. Because we have this fear. Oh, the food is going to finish. And we forget that food for one is enough for two. So when there's so many people eating from somewhere, inshallah, Allah will place barakah. So we have this fear that if I don't take everything now, next time I come, all the chicken will be gone. All the salad will be gone. So just pour whatever I can. And then as we're trying to eat it, we can't finish it, and then we just throw it. Another problem that we suffer from is that we don't know how to cook properly. And we experiment a lot. Instead of learning from people, we experiment things. And when the food turns out to be a disaster, then we're like, oh, I have to finish it. 
then we try to eat that food, which gives us a stomachache, and then we become sick, and we suffer. So, what's the solution then? Have trust in Allah, He feeds you. So don't think you have to fill up your plate. Take a little bit, eat that. And if you need some more, go get some more. And if you don't get some more, doesn't matter, go home. Alhamdulillah, you have plenty of food there. That's not possible, stop at Tim Hortons on the way. Whatever food you are meant to eat is written for you. It is written for you. So don't have this fear that if I don't take everything now, it's going to run out and I won't have any food left. No. Have tawakkul ala Allah and take only as much as you think you can eat. So, وَكُلُوا مِمَّا رَزَقَكُمُ اللَّهُ حَلَالًا طَيِّبًا وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ الَّذِي أَنْتُمْ بِهِ مُؤْمِنُونَ And fear Allah, the one whom you believe in. Fear Allah concerning the matter of eating, concerning the matter of wearing, concerning the matter of speaking, concerning the matter of looking, of listening, everything. Because when it comes to the matter of halal, haram, eating, we are so careful. People are so careful, they'll stand in the grocery store reading the list of ingredients. Researching online, this new ingredient, is it okay or not? Asking a fatwa, attending classes. And mashallah, very good. Very, very good that you're concerned about what you eat. People go to a restaurant which says halal outside. And they go in and say, halal food, right? Halal meat, right? And people go to a great length to ensure the food that they're eating is halal. And this is why? Because of the fear of Allah. Because we say we fear Allah, that's why we have to be very careful. But you need to be fearful of Allah in the matter of eating, in the matter of looking also. In the matter of listening also. Every time you listen to music, tell yourself, would you put pork in your mouth? We say, oh, just one song. Okay, just one bite. One sandwich. Would you? As we're looking at something that is not suitable for looking at, ask yourself, would you have a glass of wine? Instead. Why not? It's not halal. Well, this is not halal to look at either. This is not halal to listen to either. We're so concerned about eating that we neglect other things. Allah says, Allah, Fear Allah in every matter with regards to your entire body. الَّذِي أَنْتُمْ بِهِ مُؤْمِنُونَ The one in whom you believe in. So if you're true in your faith to Allah, then fear Him with respect to your entire life. Those of you who work, tell me, do you like to work 9 to 5? Or in the evenings? Or is there a time ever when you feel, I wish I didn't have to work. I wish I could just be at home right now. Just one hour. I wish I could leave early. I wish I could come late. I wish I could take a day off and still be paid. Do you ever get these feelings? All the time. Every day. So, when you're wasting food, tell yourself, this is half an hour that I'm throwing away. This is 15 minutes of my life that I'm throwing away. When we're wasting the resources that Allah has provided us, let's look at it in terms of our precious time, our precious energy, our precious efforts. That is what we are throwing away. And in fact, it's more than that because it's not just a product of our work. It's a product of many other people's work as well, right? So that is what we are throwing away. So we have to answer Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well, right? So what Allah, fear Allah. Recitation. Ya 
Allah will not hold you accountable for what is meaningless in your oaths. is what a person says without thinking. So without thinking, if a person swears an oath, like for example, a person has a habit of swearing. So he says, yeah, yeah, wallahi, I went. Wallahi, I saw this person. Wallahi, your mom's calling you. And your mom's not actually calling you. And accidentally a person says, wallahi, wallahi, because it's their habit. So Allah says, it's okay. He's not going to hold you accountable for the oaths that you swear unintentionally. And this is out of his mercy and tolerance that he forgives this, that he overlooks this. Walakin, but remember that يُؤَخِذُكُمْ He will hold you accountable. For what? بِمَا عَقَّدْتُمُ الْأَيْمَانِ For that which you intended of oaths. عَقَّدْتُمْ You resolved. عَيْنْ قَافْدَالْ Which is to tie a knot. So what you tied, meaning you firmly resolved. Of what? Of الْأَيْمَانِ Ayman plural of yameen. Meaning the oaths. So the oaths that you intend... So for example, you say, Wallahi, I will be here tomorrow. By Allah, I will never speed again. By Allah, I will never yell at my kids again. So you say this deliberately and consciously. By Allah, I will not lie to my parents again. By Allah, I will not stay awake after 11 p.m. every night because if I do so, I cannot get up for Fajr. So you make an oath and you make it consciously, deliberately. So if you go against it, if you break it, then Allah says He will hold you accountable. Meaning then that is a sin. Then that is a sin. And you have to do something about it. So if a person makes an oath, swears an oath, and then he breaks it, then Allah says, فَكَفَّارَتُهُ So it's kafara. What is kafara? Expiation. It's basically from kafara. And kufr, what does it mean? As-satr. To cover, to conceal something. So kafara expiation, what does it do? It conceals the effect of the sin. So something wrong you did, kafara will conceal its effect, meaning then that sin will not harm you. For example, in hadith we learn that spitting in the masjid is a khati'ah, it is a sin. وَدَفْنُهَا kafaratuha, And covering it, and this would be in the case where the ground is unfinished, so it's sand, so covering that, burying it, is its expiation. So just like that, throwing garbage in the masjid, that is wrong. And picking it up and getting rid of it, that is its kafara. So if a person has sworn an oath, and then he broke it, then he has to give the expiation. What is that? Three options are giving over here. Which ones? First of all, إِطْعَامُ عَشَرَةِ masakin Feeding ten needy people. Masakin plural of miskin. What kind of food? Min from awsati average ma tut'imuna ahlikum what you feed your families with. Awsat is from waw sin ta and wasat is in the middle. So the food that you eat yourselves, you feed your families on average, 
that kind of food of the same value you will give to how many people? Ten needy people. So it could be one meal per needy person. So ten needy persons are given one meal each. Or it could also be ten meals that are provided to, let's say, two needy people over the course of five days or whatever. Okay? But the point is to give ten meals to who? Needy. But what if a person cannot do that? So then what does he do? He's like, I have to give the kafala. The other option is, أَوْ كِسْوَتُهُمْ Or clothing them. Okay, I've seen well. Kiswa is clothing that a person gives to another. So you have to clothe who? Ten needy people. What kind of clothes? Which are called clothes. And the clothes that you generally wear yourself. You can't just take a curtain and say, oh, just wear it. No, they're not clothes. You have to give proper clothes. Likewise, you have to give clothes that a person can actually wear. I mean, if you're giving a Muslim miskeen woman a tank top and shorts, I'm sorry, she's not going to be able to wear them. That's not clothing. You have to give her clothing that she can actually wear. Likewise, if you're giving winter jacket to someone who lives in the Emirates, where it is extremely hot, except for just a few days in the year, then that's not really kiswa. Okay, you have to give clothing that a person can actually wear. So that's the second option. What if a person cannot do that either? Third option is freeing a slave. But what if a person doesn't have the ability to do any of these? He doesn't have the money. He cannot afford. Then in that case, there's another option given. So basically, you have three choices. These three choices, you can't do any. Then in that case, فَصِيَامُ ثَلَاثَةِ أَيَّامِ فَمَنْ لَمْ يَجِدْ Who cannot find, then he should fast for how many days? Three days. Allah says, ذَلِكَ كَفَارَةُ أَيْمَانِكُمْ That is the kafara, expiation for your oaths. Which oaths? That you have sworn deliberately and then broken. You swore you would do something or you won't do something and then you went against your word. You use the name of Allah, by Allah. I make God as my witness that I will do this. And you go against it. So that is kafara for your ayman. إِذَا حَلَفْتُمْ When you have sworn, Allah says, وَحْفَظُوا أَيْمَانَكُمْ And guard your oaths. Do hifadha. What does it mean by this guard your oaths? That first of all, don't start swearing on every little thing. Because some people have a habit. Wallahi, wallahi, wallahi. Every little thing. So don't use the name of Allah in every little thing. Be careful. So first of all, be careful about swearing that don't belittle this. And secondly, if you've made an oath, then stick to it. Because if a person is making an oath and thinking that, oh, it doesn't matter, I'll break it later and give kafara. Then this is not hifadha of ayman. This is basically misusing the law of Allah. So wahfadu aymanakum. كَذَلِكَ يُبَيِّنُ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ آيَاتِهِ Thus does Allah clarify to you His verses, His commands, لَعَلَّكُمْ تَشْكُرُونَ So that you're grateful. Why is grateful mentioned over here? Because if a person has sworn an oath, and for some reason he has to break it, he is in guilt. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes us out of that guilt, gives us another option. What is that? Give kafara and get out of guilt. Repent to Allah and seek forgiveness and give kafara. Now remember that there are three kinds of oaths. One is love, as mentioned earlier in the ayah. And what is that? Useless, meaningless. Doesn't carry any weight. Because a person doesn't intend it. The second kind of oath is mun'aqid. Which is intentional. That a person intends. He deliberately made it. He used the name of Allah. He meant to 
promise honestly but what happened for some reason or the other he had to break it like for example a person says by allah i will not miss any class now by allah i will not miss any class now and then what happens one day you are sick and you're not able to come so here you are with a fever of 104 degrees and trying to get to class no don't put yourself in that hardship break your oath go feed 10 needy people or clothe 10 needy people and give kafara and that's it you don't have to observe that oath anymore it's done now the third kind of oath is ghamus which literally means engulfing which is a false oath that a person swears an oath by allah i will not miss any class from now on and they're saying this why just to satisfy the other person just to satisfy the other person now this is a major sin a major sin or a person says to someone please let me take this home today by allah tomorrow i will pay you for this and when he's making that oath he has no intention of fulfilling it this is what ghamus and this is a major sin so when a person will go against it, does he have to pay kafara this is not to do with kafara kafara is for who the one who honestly intended to do something and he wasn't able to kafara is for that person for the person who commits a major sin like this he is not giving kafara he has to do tauba the crime is far more serious it's a major sin so we have to be very careful use the name of allah very carefully very carefully not at every little thing when you do so then mean it and keep to it and fulfill it and if you're not able to then give the kafara the option that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given and by the way who can we swear oaths by only allah and his attributes only allah and his attributes you cannot swear an oath by the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam you cannot swear an oath by your mother you cannot swear an oath by anything nothing at all only who allah and his attributes so be very careful about this because the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said man halafa bi ghayri allahi faqad ashraka that whoever swears an oath by other than allah then he has committed shirk because when you swear an oath basically you're saying i make allah a witness that i will do this or i will not do it لا يؤاخذكم الله باللغو في ايمانكم ولكن يؤاخذكم بما عقدتم الايمان فكفارته اطعام عشرة مساكين من اوسط ما تطعمون اهليكم او كسوتهم او تحرير رقبه فمن لم يجد فصيام ثلاثة ايام ذلك كفارة ايمانكم اذا حلفتم واحفظوا ايمانكم كَذَلِكَ يُبَيِّنُ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ آيَاتِهِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَشْكُرُونَ A few questions about the previous verse in which we learned about the kafara for breaking oaths. First of all, what is an oath? What is a yameen? 
When a person swears by Allah and makes a promise to either do something or not do something. So for example, a person says, I swear by Allah, I will go for Hajj next year. Or he says, I swear by Allah, I'm never ever going to the mall again at 5 o'clock in the evening. Okay? So both of them are what? Examples of yameen. Examples of oaths. Because a person is swearing by who? Allah. And what does it mean by swearing by Allah? That he's making Allah a witness to his promise, to his commitment, to ensure that he will live by it. He will not break it. He will not go against it. However, life is not perfect. And there are situations when a person may need to break his oath or it may be necessary. Or he may just want to. Like one day a woman becomes very emotional and she says, you know what, by Allah, I'm never getting married. And then later on she's like, I think I should get married. Or one woman says, by Allah, I'm never going to have children. And later on she's like, I think I should have children. By Allah, I'm never doing this. And later on you're like, I was very foolish to make such an oath. But an oath was made. So for that reason, it has to be broken. So for that, what should be done? The kafara should be given. And what's the kafara? We have learned about it in the ayah. Now one question that many people asked was, what if a person swears an oath in anger? That he was extremely angry and he swore an oath that he's going to do something or not do something. So is he supposed to live by it? If he wants to break it, should he give kafara? Yes. Because a yameen is a yameen, whether a person is angry or he is happy. And usually if you think about it, when is it that people swear oaths? Hmm? When they're angry, when they're emotionally charged, whether that's love or anger or jealousy or whatever it is. So when a person is swearing an oath, whether he's angry or whatever, he still has to abide by it. And if he doesn't want to, then he has to give the Kafara. Why kafara? Because he's using Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's name. And this is not something small. One more question. A promise and a yameen, are they the same? A promise and a yameen, are they the same? No, they're not the same. A promise is what you say, okay, I promise inshallah I will do this. And a yameen is by Allah I will do this. Yameen is stronger. It doesn't mean that breaking a promise is okay. No, you should also fulfill your promises, your commitments. But for that, there is no kafara. Kafara is for what? Yameen. Because it is much stronger. You're swearing by Allah. Okay? You're declaring it. So this is why there are serious consequences. Now, also remember that in certain situations, breaking an oath is mandatory. In other situations, breaking an oath is haram. So remember that just because a person breaks an oath doesn't mean they are bad. Or just because you find yourself in a position like this, that you swore an oath once upon a time, and now you feel that you have to break it, and you have to give the kafara, it doesn't mean that you are sinful. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given the option of kafara for what? To get out of that guilt. So take advantage of it when you need it. So like I said, in certain situations, breaking the oath is mandatory on a person. When? Okay, when his health is getting affected as a result of his oath. So for example, a person swears an oath, I'm never going to drink water again. Okay. You can last for a day, maybe two days, maybe three days. But maybe the fifth, sixth day, the doctor is going to tell you, you better drink. 
If you don't drink, we're gonna put a drip on you or something. So in this situation, he has to break an oath. Likewise, a person says, I'm never gonna pray salah. Never going for taraweeh again. I swear by Allah, I'm not stepping out of the house with this hijab on again. I swear by Allah, I'm never going to call my mom again. I swear by Allah, I'm never going to speak to my uncle again. I swear by Allah, I will never have any respect for my husband again. These are all haram oaths. Okay? And if a person has sworn them deliberately, then he has to, he must break it and he must give the kafara for it. Likewise, in some situations, it is forbidden to break the oath that a person has made. Meaning he's not allowed to break that oath. When? When the oath made is over something wajib. So for example, a person swears an oath. He says, by Allah, I'm never going to have alcohol again. Never going to drink again. I'm never going to take these drugs again. Okay? She swears an oath. He swears an oath. And then he breaks it. Is that allowed for him to break that oath? No, he shouldn't break that oath. Why? Because if he breaks that oath, then what is he doing? He is disobeying Allah. He is committing haram. So remember this, that breaking an oath sometimes becomes mandatory on a person. Sometimes it is forbidden for a person to break that oath. And sometimes it's okay. Why? Because it doesn't affect his deen, doesn't affect his life, doesn't affect other people. So it's okay. It doesn't make much of a difference. Like for example, if you say, I swear by Allah, I'm never going to go to the mall again at 5 p.m. in the evening. I'm never going to the mall again on the weekends. And then what happens is that you have to go. You need something. You have to go. You need something. And the only option is the mall. So you have to break the oath and then you will give the kafara. If somebody imposes something on you by saying, by Allah, wallahi, you are not allowed to do this again. Like your mom says. I remember as a child, what happened was that after school, we would stop and get these slushies. Every day we'd get these slushies. Because it was really hot that summer. Every summer, in fact, was hot in Pakistan. So anyway, we'd come home and uh, not have lunch. And obviously, this would be something very stressful for my mother. So one day she said, By Allah, you guys are never having this again. And we're like, uh-oh, we can't have it now. Later on, we found out that if you accept it, if you accept it, then you have to abide by it. And if you don't accept it, you say that, no, no, I'm not accepting this yameen of yours then you're not obliged to adhere to it. Okay, but we were children, we didn't know. Good for us, alhamdulillah. So is it clear? If somebody imposes an oath on you, that by Allah you have to do this, or you are not allowed to do this, then if you accept it, then you have to adhere to it. And if you don't accept it, meaning you say it out, then in that case you are not to adhere to it.